All right, so can I just get you to tell me your name so I can make sure the audio is working? Jason Resnick. Beautiful, loud and clear. All right, man. Um, and you'll have to excuse me, I've got a swollen gland at the moment in my throat, so I'm just going to oh, throat, throat spray myself to make it numb <laughs> for the next hour. What is that? <laughs> it is basically... <clears throat> It's basically antiseptic. It, 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 no, it's not. It's um, anesthetic. It just numbs your throat so that you can, you know, if you're doing any kind of speaking or singing, you can just get through an hour and your throat's completely numb. And after this podcast, it'll be red raw again. I won't be able to speak, but that's fine. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 83 of the WP Elevation podcast. And our feature guest this week is Jason Resnick. There might be a bit of confusion because last week it was actually episode 82 and I announced it as episode 81. Um, I'm not going to bore you with the details as to why that happened, but sometimes these things do happen. Scheduling, different time zones, you know, all these things play a part. Anyway, this week we have Jason Resnick from res.com, R-E-Triple-Z.com on the podcast. We talk about podcasting, we talk about lead capture, we talk about raising prices, we talk about WP Field Guides, Brian Castle and Guns N' Roses. We also talk about connecting Asana Freshdesk, Todoist and Calendly with Zapier. There's a conversation you never thought you'd have. And Jason also recommends two guests for the podcast that he thinks should be interviewed on the podcast. And one of them throws me right off center and uh, sends me into a bit of a spin. So stick around to hear that. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals, the only way to teach your clients how to use WordPress. The original plugin from 2008 that puts video tutorials in your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress, how to use WooCommerce, SEO by Yoast, how to use Gravity Forms, and how to set up and read their Google Analytics reports. You can hide videos or even entire sections of videos if they don't apply. For example, you could just turn off the WooCommerce videos if your client doesn't have WooCommerce installed. The Video User Manuals plugin is $24 a month or $240 a year, and you can take the Video User Manuals plugin for a spin on all of your client sites for just $1 for your first 30 days by going to videousermanuals.com slash podcast. That's videousermanuals.com slash podcast, and you'll be able to access the plugin there for just $1 for your first month. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to finally have with me on the podcast, Jason Resnick. Hey, Jason, how are you, man? Good. How are you doing, Troy? I'm very well, thank you. I'm, I'm better than I was three weeks ago when we tried to do this, and then two weeks ago when we tried to do it, and it was my wife's birthday and I had to cancel. <laughs> and finally, here we are. Um, now, for those that don't know, where are you based? I'm in uh, Queens, New York, New York City. Oh, cool. Awesome. That is like the number one place. In, on my list of places that I want to go to. I've never been to New York and I really desperately want to go. So hopefully yeah, I'll get over there soon and we'll hang out, man. Um, yeah. Okay, Jason, a uh, quick competition announcement. Jason is very kindly sponsoring a website audit uh, this week, valued at $199, which basically means you'll jump on Skype and he'll go through your website and pick it to pieces and um, 
hopefully leave you as a crying, blubbering mess at the end of it, and then you can piece it back together and make it better. So stick around for details on how you can enter the draw for that competition. All right, Jason, before we start geeking off about all things WordPress, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I guess like any red-blooded American boy, um, probably a baseball player. Uh, (laughs) I'm huge into baseball overall my whole entire life, but... You know, I don't. I don't know if that was really what I wanted to be. Either baseball player or a skater. I was into skateboarding and inline skating, aggressive and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe something like that. But I knew, I knew I really wanted to go on the beat, off the beaten path, so to speak. So, did you? Uh, did you? Did you play um, competition baseball at any level? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I was on travel teams and varsity in high school, and you know the college team tried to recruit me but i was actually working at the time so <laughs> that kind of uh you know didn't happen as far as college goes but i i play on multiple softball teams now i would love to play in like a, a baseball league but they're just i guess they figure if you're this this age now you're probably a professional or semi-professional or whatever so gotcha and um what uh, what what was your strength? Were you a, a batter or a pitcher or a catcher? Uh, definitely fielder. I was an infielder. Right. So, yeah. Cool. Um, when did you discover the internet and, and kind of realize that it was something that you were going to be spending a lot of time doing? <laughs> um, well, I mean, this might show my age a little bit, but uh, back in the day with like BBSs and stuff like that, like uh, I had a friend down the block and you know, I remember walking down the block, you know, as a, a teenager, just with stacks of discs, you know, to get the new game or whatever it might be. But uh, I mean, I guess as far as how I thought, you know, when I realized that it would actually be like a real, I guess, moneymaker or some, something where I could, you know, you know, make a living from um, had to be within college. I mean, it was. You know, I went to college in the late 90s, so I, you know, it was really at that infancy stage of, of the internet. And, uh, you know, and, and and to don't try this at home, I actually wound up <laughs> cutting my economics class and went to the computer lab and learned how to make websites. I mean, I that's excellent. <laughs> I mean, my economics class was a long distance learning class from the main campus so it was the most boring two-hour weekly class weekly tv show that you'd ever have to watch so (laughs) so i used to skip that and go to the computer lab because i had a few other classes that day but um you know then i i had a friend and over email he would teach me html markup so you know in the computer lab i would just be like oh and then you know animated GIFs came and, you know, little horizontal bars with little cats running across it and stuff like that. I mean, it was a simple, stupid page, but I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, I can I can do something because I was a CS major, but I could change code and see the actual change right away. It was like this instant gratification. Totally. That's when I was hooked. Yeah, yeah. There is definitely something. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I'd hit refresh in a browser over the years, you know, there's definitely something instantly gratifying about 
you know, putting in a curly brace and a semicolon and then hitting refresh and going, wow, check that out, man. <laughs> Look at those cats running across the screen. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Uh, it's quite a powerful feeling too, isn't it? When you can, when you can, when you can, when you can um, influence someone else's experience with a device just by knowing which symbols and which letters to put in which order. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, to see somebody's, like, idea, you know, in their head come to actual real life on the screen, I mean, there's there's nothing like that, mm. especially when they can't do that. Yeah, so. yeah. So when did you – when did, do you remember the first time you saw WordPress? Um, yeah, it must have been probably around 2007 or so. Um, I was working at an agency that at that time, and – they started offering blogs as like a line item to their services. So um, I was tasked with trying to find software that would solve that problem. Um, you know, so I evaluated a number of different software packages and open source packages and things like that. And WordPress was it. And, you know, it, it, that's it. It was a bumpy ride after that, but, um, you know, I, I eventually came back home and here I am. <laughs> and and uh, so why was, why, I'm curious why WordPress was the one that stacked up against the competition way back. Wait, so when, when was this? Was this like, what, what version of WordPress roughly are we talking about? Well, 2007 okay. must have been, or 2008 must have been yeah. what? Like, like 2.6, yeah. 2.7. Yeah. yeah, probably around there. Um, and so why did WordPress stack up? I mean, clearly it wasn't the famous five-minute install. That wouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that might have still been there. But, you know, it was um, what it gave you out of the box. It was nice and simple. Like, we, you know, at the agency, we were still making, you know, sites in Dreamweaver. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Not to, you know. Yeah, that's okay. Was, we've, all, we've all been there, man. We're all friends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... They had that, and then they had to kind of like pull something that would, you know, be able to create the, you know, the publishing aspect of being able to have our clients who were, well, all the clients was were in the medical field. So they were doctors and nurses and, you know, receptionists and things like that. So it had to, you couldn't, you know, they weren't people that could write code. So, um, you know, they... You had to have that screen. It had to work kind of like a Word document and be able to, you know, be as easy as possible. So, you know, after looking at WordPress, and I think at that point it was probably Mambo, mm -hmm. um, which turned into Joomla, um, and several other ones that at that time, you know, I don't even think they're around at this point, but. Um, you know, I, I settled on WordPress because it was lighter at that time. So pulling it into an already existing site wasn't going to be, you know, wasn't going to say, okay, well, this this needs to be the site. You know, everything has to integrate into this. It was still enough to put it at like a subdirectory and still have the blog. So cool. And so, how long after that was it that you realized that you could actually? Uh, go go solo in, in terms of becoming a freelance developer and building, you know, a client base of your own? Well, even before that, I mean, I was always doing freelance work. 
um, you know, even, uh, I guess probably around 2000, um, you know, is when I first started doing freelance work and it was kind of like, you know, the, Oh, I know this guy who does websites. You need a website and, you know, kind of deal. But, um, so I always had that client base and, and just, you know, I always had that feeling myself that <clears throat> when I, when I look at my career, my career is not going to be defined by sitting at somebody else's desk. So I always felt that I would be, you know, at some point or another that I would be somewhat in control of my own destiny. Um, so the freelance thing allowed me to do that. Um, and you know, even I was doing, you know, PHP work and Ruby on Rails work and custom, you know, PHP application frameworks and things like that. And then, uh, once I found WordPress, I was like, okay, you know what? I could probably make these sites that I'm already working on in custom PHP into WordPress. Um, and that's kind of where my freelance really took off. And, you know, I was working at that same agency and it got to a point where it was like a tipping point. You know, I was working like, you know, nine to five and then I was working from like six to like three. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just like, OK, one's got to go. And, uh, you know, I kind of just made the decision and and that was about four and a half years ago. And, uh, you know, here I am. Awesome. Was it um, was it was it kind of a scary thing to kind of step back out completely on your own and, and let go of the kind of perceived security of having an, an employer as such? Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, I, I'm <laughs> anybody I work with, I usually tell them like, you know, just send me stuff until I start screaming. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I looked at it myself. I mean, I was working, you know, essentially like 20 hours a day at, at, a, at that point because I wanted to make sure I had enough work where if I did quit, then I wouldn't like starve. So, um, you know, it was definitely scary to the point where once that queue of projects ran out, I was like, oh, I got to go get that next one. And so that and that's not really my strength. I'm not a sales guy. So, you know, that was probably the scary part where, you know, I was like, OK, well, this project's launched. This site's up. Now what? You know, now I got to go get another one. And then another one and another one. So um, that was that was probably the scary part. But four and a half years later, here you are still going strong. Yep. Yeah. We, well, I mean, there was definitely, you know, peaks and valleys for sure. I mean, there was um, a point at the two year mark where I was really about to go sit, you know, find a job. I mean, there was like, you know it was always kind of like an ebb and flow. I mean, everybody knows about it. It's the feast or famine thing or whatever. And it was always seemed to be towards the holiday times, you know, November, December, um, where it would get really low and it made sense. I mean, people, companies' budgets would run towards the end of the year and they wouldn't have the money to go hire somebody to do the work. So, um, there was at the two year mark, it was a real, real, issue and at at the time my fiance was just like i told her i said listen i'm gonna have to go into the city and pound the pavement and get a job because this isn't working I'm, I'm not doing anything right now and you know and she was like yeah but that's not 
that's not what you want to do. It's not who you are. And, and so, I mean, that was huge to me. I mean, the fact that I had that support there, um, and you know, she was like, we'll figure it out. No worries. And, uh, you know, and it, it worked out. I mean, you know, I reached out to some people and, uh, you know, people, you know, were supportive and said, you know, maybe try this, you know, and, um, you know, I reached out to some trusted sources that other developers and stuff. And, you know, I pretty much flatly laid out kind of like, you know, like Gordon Ramsay's kitchen nightmares or whatever that show is. Right. Like, I mean, they tell them exactly what it is. And, uh, you know, and they were like, well, you, you're good at what you do. You got to raise your rates. That's why you're in the spot that you're at. And so, um, you know, I did, I kind of took the advice and I, I had the, awesome support and uh you know i'm still doing doing my thing that's awesome uh i want to i want to come back to and talk a little bit more about uh raising your rates a little bit later um how it's a pretty competitive space being a wordpress consultant or a wordpress developer um how do you so this kind of a a double-edged question how do you describe what you do in one sentence and why do you think you're different from any other wordpress developer out there well, I describe myself, I guess, like the elevator pitch is yep. that I'm a development resource for your design and marketing business, helping your business achieve long-term success in making your online goals come to life. Um, and I differentiate myself really by just being human, right? I mean, a lot of <laughs> a lot of developers are very robotic, and and and, I, and I'm not saying that I'm not, but um, you know not really, you know, personable and friendly and open for, you know, listening and stuff like that. And that's not me. I mean, I'm always a listener. I've always been a listener, you know, even just listening to friends' problems and things like that. And that translates into my business. I mean, I hear what they want to accomplish as their goal. They have an idea. They're like, oh, we want to install this plugin. And then I ask them why, what's the goal? What's the end game? what success look like, that kind of stuff. And it makes me be a little bit more of a partner rather than just a hired hand or a service vendor that they just hired for that that project. And that's kind of what, how I differentiate myself in. I look to be a partner with all of my clients rather than just that, you know, one-off paycheck or whatever it is just to you know sign sealed and deliver the project gotcha um and, and you know it's it's kind of tricky to have those conversations isn't it it's because a lot of developers feel like they're just hired to do what they're told sometimes it can be um a little you know a little outside of your comfort zone to start talking to clients about what their business goals are because you might think well aren't they just going to look at me and say well what are you asking me that for you should just be you know programming code Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I've gotten that before, you know, I, and you know what it is, is, is knowing who the right client is for you. And, and, you know, I look at it like, am I a fit for them? And are they a fit for me? In order for me to really do my job well, I need to know what the end game is. You know, if let's say you're trying, you know, if you tell me that you're trying to get a thousand people on your newsletter, sign up, you know, then, okay, that's a goal. But why are you doing that? Is that really the best way to accomplish that goal? You know, 
Um, maybe there's another route that we can take that would be better suited for the business. So um, it's just really, I mean, that's, that's also a part of who I am too. I mean, I usually tell it like it is, um, you know, and I've never really had a problem. <laughs> I guess, you know, my mouth has gotten me into trouble at times. <laughs> you know? So, it, it, you know, it, it, it's a give and take a little bit, I, you know, it, if it's difficult conversation, but yet at the same time you have to have it. Otherwise there's no success on either end. Right. I mean, yeah. if, if they're, if they tell me that they're looking to have a thousand people sign up on their newsletter, but, and that's the, the pathway to their goal as they see it. But if their really end game is to say, I want to increase my sales on, online by 10%, that could be a totally different thing than newsletter sign up. So, you know, I want to know really what that end game is. I can't remember who said it. And I, I, I think, uh, I've always, uh, okay. Okay. So Tony Robbins says the quality of your life is the quality of your relationships. And I think I've paraphrased that over the years. So I'm just going to claim this now, right? And if I'm wrong, someone will tell me. So please, if someone else has said this first, please tell me in the comments because otherwise I'm just going to steal it and claim it as my own. I've always said the quality of your relationships are defined by the quality of the questions you're prepared to ask. So if you, know, if you ask those difficult questions like, well, why are we doing this and what does success look like for the business and you know, where does this thing need to be in 12 months for you to be happy, most developers just don't ask those questions. They're just happy to take a brief and do as they're told. But if you ask those questions, then you do become more like a partner and you actually show that you care about their success, which positions you as more of a premium kind of resource. And I think if you can, if you can just get out of your own way long enough to ask those quality questions, you'll end up having better quality relationships with your clients. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have to you have to be comfortable with yourself to ask those questions. Yeah, and, and not be afraid of them giving pushback, because ultimately, at the end, like if you don't give, if you don't ask those questions, and there's no pushback or something like that, and everything goes along swimmingly into a month project, three weeks into that month, then you know everything can unravel because yeah. there wasn't the, that open communication right up front and. It's highly important to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you actually spend most of your time doing day to day? Uh, development. <laughs> um, as you know, as as a one person shop, you know that's you know that's what I do. Um, I've spent a great deal over the the past two years. I would say in. I guess, automating everything else around it. Um, you know, how I get the requests coming in, um, onboarding with my clients into my processes, um, everything, you know, how I respond to my clients, even how down to the, the tasks that I do on a daily basis, all of that stuff is really automated at this point um, through, you know, a number of applications. I use Asana, I use um, Freshdesk, um, I tie those two together using Zapier. So, um, Todoist is a huge thing for me. So if it's not in Todoist, I'm pr pretty much not going to do it. <laughs> uh. So a lot of these things all tied together and, and it, and, and it's funny because, you know, a couple of my friends and even my wife, I even say, I'm like, is it in Google calendar? Cause if it's not there, then I don't know about it, you know? Yeah. 
it, it all funnels into this one system that I have and it and that makes sure like I can't stand when something falls through the cracks. And if a client comes to me and says, well, what's up with this? And it's like due tomorrow and I don't know anything about it. You know, that always gives me extreme anxiety because I probably should have known about it. And so I spent a great deal of amount of time making sure everything is connected. So you, so some, so if you're running a project in Asana, the actual individual tasks for that get flicked over to Todoist via Zapier. So that Todoist, because the one thing we use Asana right as well, and the one thing that drives me nuts about Asana is every time I log into Asana, there's just so much shit going on on the screen. It just gives me a headache, and I just bounce out and run away to the pub, right? And I'm like, I get nothing done because it's like, whoa, that's just way too hard. And uh, I know there are different screens you can set up, but it's like, man, come on, seriously, you know what? You know what? I'm like old school I've gone back to the pen and paper writing down my to-do <laughs> items for the day because I just can't look at Asana anymore it's just so much stuff in there so so you use Zapier to get your tasks out of Asana into Todoist just so that you've got a nice lean list of to-do things that you can check off yeah so to speak I mean my communication with my clients are all through Freshdesk uh-huh. uh, this way they don't have to ever log in anything like Zendesk or something like that it, yeah. you know, it's their email that's what they're comfortable using and that's fine Brilliant. so they shoot that stuff over in a fresh desk and that actually automatically goes into Asana uh-huh. based out of Asana depending on what projects it in it'll drop it into Todoist for me and then I know exactly what I need to do every day I mean Todoist I've tried just about every other thing out there OmniFocus yep. and yep. Toodle Do and all these other <laughs> yep. all these other to-do manager things and uh-huh. Todoist for me works the best only because I can wrap my head around it and it's everywhere it's on my phone it's on my browser it's an app you know it's everywhere so right uh, that I need that. I need it to be able to know if I need to do something, I can drop it in to do this at any point. So, so what is it? Because I'm the same man. I'm like a junkie for these tools. I like sign up to a different one every day, multiple a day actually. Um, in fact, I think my business partner's threatening to take my credit card off me so I don't keep signing up for SaaS apps. Um, so, why is Todoist? Because I use Wonderlist a little bit on my desktop. Uh, which is kind of nice, but what is it about Todoist specifically that 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 you? Why have you stuck with Todoist instead of like trying it for three weeks and then bouncing off to something else? Um, mainly because <clears throat> I tried to do, I tried everything, right? And mm-hmm. for me, it's it's how that application fits in my life. I don't want to have to remember to open something. I don't want to have to remember to check something. Um, the way Todoist is, you know. <laughs> omnipresent you know I have it installed on my phone I have it installed in the browser I have it as an app um, it's in Gmail I mean it's all over the place and it just is there and unobtrusive mm-hmm. and I don't have to remember that it's there um, and some of the, the features that they have on it for just I mean even personal um, you know the location based uh, you know, aware notifications. I mean, I, w- I walked into a store the other day and <laughs> I got a notice to buy a shovel. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You know, and it just like, it it just makes total sense. And it's just my brain dumped onto my electronic device and I'm done. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, I'm definitely going to check out to do this. In fact, there's an article here on productivityist.com. Yeah. Uh, by Mike Vardy, why I switched to Todoist. So I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, 
Nice. Um, and it's cheap. <laughs> yeah, it is really cheap. Um, it's like 28 bucks a year. Yes, I mean, even nice. if it was 100 bucks a year, for me, it's total time, time saver. You know, don't, nice. don't tell to do with that. <laughs> uh, what's, the, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night about the business? Um, honestly, I'm not really that big of a worrier. Um, I guess. What's your secret? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only thing that really does keep me awake in one night is my two cats and they howl all the time <laughs> and my wife hates it. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess really, I, I would love to be able to be able to push out more content and help. You know, I mean, I, I still get, I mean, I've been in the game a long time and I still get like those clients that have these WordPress sites that are, you know, developed like in this complete mess. I mean, they, they develop in a, such a way where I don't even know what they're even using WordPress for. Might as well just use a static HTML page. I mean, and I would love to be able to, you know, educate people a little bit more about it. And I guess that's kind of where... Um, you know, my podcast comes from, you know, with Bronson um, and even WP Field Guides is another thing um, that I've started on. And I think I'm I'm retargeting that in sort of sort of a way. But I would love to be able to push a little bit more on the education front to have developers. I mean, just do good by your clients. I mean, there's no reason to, you know cut corners or think, you know, I mean, if you're out to just make a paycheck, you know, like, I don't want to have to deal with your garbage. <laughs> right. And, and that's what I feel like I do. And I would love to be able to just have the time to push out the content, but with client work and everything else, you know, it's, it's hard to do that. So. Uh, it sure is. Um, and it's about, it's about finding that balance, isn't it? Um, do, do you have like scheduled time during the week in your calendar where it's blocked out, where you don't do anything but, you know, admin work or you don't do any, like you don't do anything but development work or are you kind of constantly sort of multitasking and flicking between hats? No, I mean, I, when I first started, I was all over the place and then side projects would really get you know, push, not side project, but internal projects that I really needed to do for the business got pushed aside. Um, over the, the past year or so, I've really um, concentrated on blocking out, like Mondays, I don't take phone calls. Um, I, you know, I use Calendly and I just, you know, say, okay, if we're gonna have a phone call, here, check, it, check Calendly and pick a time. And Monday is not one of those days. You know, I totally block off Monday. Um, and Friday afternoons, I know after a long week, um, Friday afternoons are really light. So I'll either, you know, do side projects, you know, internal projects for myself. I'll write blog posts. Um, I'll do admin work. Um, you know, I'll do podcasts, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I feel that just my business overall by allowing myself certain boundaries with things has really paid off because things in my business allow, you know, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to tie all those, those applications together because without that time. And if I don't do that, then, you know, the business kind of just stays flat and you're kind of always working, 
you know, in the business rather than on the business. Uh, how it's funny you mentioned Calendly. I, I use Schedule Once for a similar kind of thing. If people want to schedule an appointment, they go through Schedule Once. Um, it, I mean, you know, at the risk of geeking off about another app, how is how good's Calendly? Is it uh, obviously it's doing doing the job for you? It's great. I mean, <clears throat> it reads right off a of Google Calendar. Yep. So as soon as somebody puts on a, uh, you know, a, a spot, or if I put on a spot on my Google Calendar, it already blocks that off of Calendly and can't be reserved for somebody else. And you know, it ties all right in. I mean, my Google Calendar, my Google Calendar is tied into Todoist. So you know, again, all that stuff is there. When I look at Todoist in the morning, I know what calls I have to make or you know who I have to talk to, and you know, it's just. Uh, it, it's a perfect app because it, it saves time back and forth. I mean, there's always that, you know, oh, are you available at three o'clock on Tuesday? No, I can't do that. But how about Wednesday morning and then Wednesday morning? I mean, it's always like a four email ping pong match. Uh-huh. <laughs> Calendly is like, I'm, I'm, I say, here's the link, pick a time that works for you and, and done. Awesome. Um, what I like about this too is that you've taken a bit of control over your schedule and your time and said, okay, well, you know, Mondays, I'm not talking to clients, you know, uh, Friday afternoons, I'm not doing anything mission critical because I'm kind of unwinding. Uh, so you're not leaving yourself open to having to be reactionary to client requests. I used to share an office with an advertising agency and the poor account managers, they basically would start work at like, you know, 9.30 in the morning and finish at 7.30 every night. And they spent all day answering phone calls and emails, basically just reacting to client demands. And I just used to look at it and go, you know, it's just it's just a really inefficient model. It's inefficient for them and it's really inefficient for the clients too because the client's constantly waiting for them to get back to them. Whereas if you can have scheduled time throughout the week, even if it's even if it's every day, even if you've got a really high maintenance client, you have to talk to them every day. Mm-hmm. If it's scheduled that 11.15 every day, we've got a 15 minute phone chat. If something happens at four o'clock in the afternoon, we know that we're speaking again at 11.15 tomorrow morning. So just write it down and we'll deal with it at 11.15 tomorrow morning. Don't email me and ring me all day, every day. Otherwise, I can't get anything done. Right. And and for me, the reason why I don't take calls on Monday is because hey, the clients are thinking all weekend about it. And they're like, oh, I got to call Jason. I want to do this and this and this and this. And it already s- sets off my entire week as putting out fires. Correct. Right? And if I block out Monday to get progress done for the week, you know, I'm, I started that snowball effect. My week is a million times better. Absolutely. Um, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing about your business right now, what would it be? Um, I guess be able to split the development between some internal needs and client needs. Um, you know, I do set those times aside, but there are bigger internal projects that I want to do um, that I really can't, uh, you know, can't get momentum on it in those little time blocks. Um, so that that would be really something that I would love to, you know, I guess, wave the magic wand and fix. Um, and that really just means that I kind of have to offload some of the client work onto somebody. Um, you know, and I've kind of... I guess meandered down that road a little bit, um, but you know I haven't found anything anyone that really has clicked with it just yet. Um, and and because I I guess to go back before is you know I'm a little bit 
human and and more personable to my clients they trust that i'm doing the work and you know i'm providing that so i'm really you know i really scrutinize who i work with you know especially if it comes to development tasks if it's not up to snuff it's not you know it's not going to go out the door from this desk so um that's that that's really where i'm at as far as fixing something within the business is is scaling a little bit uh cool let's talk about a couple of things um that you've got going on uh, before i want before we talk about the podcast and wp field guides i want to talk about raising your rates you, sp- you spoke before about how you know you reached out to some people and they said well you know hey man you're really good at what you do you should just put your rates up which i absolutely believe is the fastest way to make a business sustainable it's not mm-hmm. about being money hungry or going for a cash grab it's actually about making sure the business is sustainable and profitable so that you can continue to service the clients that you've got and you can continue to take on more work how what was what was the um, psychologically what was going on for you when you were raising your rates? Obviously, there's a lot of fear around raising your rates because you think you're going to get pushed back from the marketplace. What was it that eventually made you go, "I'm just going to put my rates up and see what happens"? And then, in fact, what did happen when you put your rates up? Did you get pushed back from clients? Yeah, I mean, there was some fall off. Um, um, you know, some clients were like, uh, you know, okay, well, that you know, we'll have to find somebody else. You know, that's not within our budget, um, which is totally understandable. Um, you know, but the real clients that I really wanted to work with, um, hang hung around. I mean, I still have some of my original clients, you know, um, you know, from five years ago and, you know, it's just, uh, you really find out who your ideal client is, how valuable you are to them. And, you know, it's, if, if you don't get pushback, then you really have low rates and really adding good value to them. But at the same time, I mean, you know, you have the clients where, you know, even, you know, my original clients that are still here, um, you know, they, they still, you know, I, I, at the beginning of every year, I kind of evaluate where I'm at and I see, okay, am I still providing the same value in the, the service? Um, is it time to raise the rates? Um, and, you know, I usually prepare that, you know, at the end of the third quarter so that my clients know that this is coming at the new year and um, if it does come. And, you know, they, they say, okay, well, you know, I usually give them like leeway too. You know, I don't just say, okay, this is it and bottom line, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, if, if they're still kind of straggling along and they don't change, um, they don't come to the new rates, you know, eventually I say, okay, why don't we find somebody that will suit the needs of your budget, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, I, again, it's all about really being human and communicating with them and setting the expectation and making sure that, you know, they understand, like you said, it's got to be sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to, I got to maintain the business. I need to, in order for me to continue learning. And I mean, this is like, you know, internet and development is always changing Mm -hmm. and and in order for me to educate myself i mean a lot of this you know i have to raise rates i have Mm -hmm. to attend conferences or classes or educate myself with online classes and things like that and you know that's part of sustaining the business if i if producing a good service for my clients you know and the clients that i work with understand that and Mm -hmm. you know and if they fall off they fall off you know i it for me, it's always, there's, there's tons of work out there. <laughs> and anytime I've raised rates, 
I've had, you know, some churn where people fall off, but I'd find new ones. So, you know, I, the first time it was a little scary, but after I realized that it wasn't as scary the next time. And then now it's almost like, you know, just, it's not like I raise my rate every year, but you know, when I do raise it, I'm not scared of doing it because I know I'll find somebody else. Awesome. Um, let's talk about two things. I want to talk about the podcast and the WP Field Guides. So WP Dev Table is your podcast with uh, fellow Australian Bronson Quick. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you start a WordPress podcast? And weren't you kind of, you know, did, did, were you thinking, well, there are just so many WordPress podcasts out there. Why should we start another one? Like, what was the motivation for starting one? And did you think, you know, there's no way this is ever going to get traction because there, it's, just, it's such a saturated space? Yeah, I, I guess we don't really look at it as a WordPress podcast as much as it's a developer podcast. Um, and we're not really into, like, really pushing it you know, and marketing it and, you know, getting subscribers and stuff. I mean, me and Bronson love talking geek about it and, (laughs) you know, and that's kind of how we look at it. I mean, we try to do it monthly, um, you know, him and, and the rest of the guys over there, you know, they just, uh, joined human made. So he's, he's been kind of, you know, busy this past, you know, the early part of this year. So, but we try to do it every month and we try to bring on, you know, some other developer that's in the WordPress space that, you know, is doing something interesting. And uh, we just chat, you know, I mean, it's it's a really relaxed type of thing, but, you know, it, it allows up both of us to grow our network a little bit more, um, connect with people that maybe we, did, we wouldn't have connected to otherwise. And, uh, you know, it's actually um, sparked me to do another podcast which is kind of in the works at this point um but it's not in this space at all it's more of a a lifestyle entrepreneurship type podcast Mm -hmm. so you know it was it was good to you know do that and and just uh you know like i said it's not it's not about wordpress it's really just us talking geek instead because he's 15 hours ahead of me <laughs> instead of meeting up at the pub on the corner you know we just meet up once a month and we we talk you know how did you guys meet how, how did you guys how did you guys cross paths to begin with um you know what i think i might have seen one of his talks on wordpress tv and then it was i think it was probably about development workflow um and then I had a question about it and, you know, we just got chatting and we had a lot of the same passions and problems and things like that. And, you know, love of music and everything else. And, you know, that's just, uh, that's how we met. I'm just going to talk about, uh, before we get to the field guys, you, you've, you've brought it up. I was going to talk about music. You're wearing a masters of the universe guns and roses t-shirt right <laughs> now. And, um, uh, late last year, uh, for those that don't know, I've started learning uh, Sweet Child of Mine uh, by Guns N' Roses. I've started learning all the lead guitar parts, which is going to probably take me three years to finish. Anyway, I started posting some stuff up on Facebook, and I think it was you and um, and Bronson that started. <laughs> you were like the first people to comment on it. <laughs> do you remember that? Do you remember? I've, I vividly, I clearly remember the, the where exactly where I was and what I was doing the first time I saw Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Do you remember the first time you saw that song? No, not that one, but I do remember November Rain right. when that video came out. I mean, uh-huh. that was a huge, like, 
And yeah. it was a lot of hype around that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I played the drums for 11 years, so I mean, it's a passion of mine. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I mean, I even got Metallica on the wall over there signed a photo and, and it's just, uh, you know, it's just, it's a passion of mine. As soon as I get a house, I'm getting a drum set, you yep. know, back again. <laughs> you know, I live in an apartment, so yeah. you know, neighbors wouldn't really like it that much. Right. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, I told my wife, I said, you know, as soon as we get a basement, you know, uh -huh. a house is going to have a basement or whatever, or yep. another room or whatever it is. Yeah. Soundproof it, put a drum kit in there. Awesome. Yep. Um, I'll tell the story quickly. But the first time I saw Sweet Child of Mine, I was 15 years old. I was walking in from the backyard into the house and I walked into the house and in, in Australia we have this thing called Video Smash Hits, which is on every Saturday morning, which is basically the top 40 film clips. And I walked in just as the film clip started and, and you know, the lights fade up and they're kind of in this room on this big old kind of rug and Slash has, you know, got the head down on the hat and the cigarette hanging out the mouth and he started playing that riff. And I was I was just frozen to the I couldn't move I was just watching this television and I watched the whole song and I just remember thinking at the time I was 15 years old I remember thinking at the time if you can do what he does with a guitar you are totally going to get chicks there is no doubt about it like girls are going to love you if you can do that and that was the time I mind you I never sort of got into bands in order to get girls but it was it was that thing where I was like it was, it was just like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I was like, I just want to be able to do that with a guitar because, you know, I, 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 I've never been so affected by one particular song before. I mean, I, and I'm, a, I'm not a huge hard rock fan. I'm more of a blues fan. But, mm -hmm. man, what that guy does with a guitar is incredible. And he still, like, what he still can do with a guitar is just, it's, it's an amazing thing. Anyway, there's my rant about Slash. Um Hey, cool. Let's talk about WP Field Guides. So, what what's the what's the thinking? What is WP Field Guides, and what's the thinking behind it? Well, it's the thinking behind it is basically just educating people about the best practices of WordPress. Um, you know, I've released one field guide already, um, and you know, thanks to you, I, I spoke to you about it too. So, I, I you know, I want to publicly thank you for that. Um, Pleasure, man. <laughs> it's it's more. It's more of just educating people about the best practices because, like I said before, I mean, I, I run into it all the time where I get these inherited sites that are just completely a complete mess and, you know, just simple things. I mean, it, all, it, all it really does is just, you know, when you install a theme, make a child theme. You know, this way when the theme upgrades, you don't lose all your changes, you know, things like that. So um, it's just making it more... Um, I guess user friendly. I don't know if that's the right term, but mm -hmm. you know, it's it's another option for people to go to or another resource for people to go to where they can get get the you know, if they want to do it themselves, here's the way you do it. So is it aimed at developers or more kind of website owners? Uh, it's more for website owners. Um, I'm kind of repurposing it that way. Um, initially, I think I was probably aiming it towards new developers. Mm -hmm. um, but I found that really I think what it is is, let's say somebody comes to me, it's almost like a, a fallback, right? If, if what I can't, you know, if we're not a good fit, one way or the other, whether it's budget or I don't do what you do, you know, what you need or whatever it is, um, you know, I can say, okay, well, you know, I don't, I don't design themes, 
right? At all. Uh, that's not my thing. If you want to go and buy a premium theme, go check out the field guide that I have for that. You know, make sure that, you know, you're educated when you go and spend that money so that you're not, you know, you're not lost in the sauce, so to speak. Gotcha. Uh, so it's kind of, I, I, really, I like this, because, and I remember speaking to you about it when we first spoke about it last year sometime. I like it because you, you, what you provide is kind of a done for you or a done with you service. If someone comes to you and says, we want to hire you to work with us on this project, then you're doing it with them or you're actually doing a bunch of development for them. Whereas this is for the DIYs who are like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to spend thousands of dollars on this right now. I just want to roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty and see if I can do it myself. And you're like, well, that's cool. You could waste lots of time and lots of money figuring this out yourself or for a very small investment, you can get my field guide and save a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of money because I'm going to give you the best practices and show you how to do this yourself. Exactly. Yep. Cool. It's a good positioning statement too when you're talking to potential new clients because you're kind of writing material and education uh, materials, teaching people how to do it themselves. Then you obviously, it's, it's good authority positioning, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny because a lot of people that, you know, I've had not an overwhelming number of sales on it, but you know, I've had a number of sales with it. And uh, you know, the people are like, oh, those tips that you had was great. You know, I mean, I, I give little little nuggets of information on like, you know, how to reach out to a theme author, you know, not through their support forms, uh-huh. you know, and things like that. So like, you know, if you have emergency and which most D- DIY people do, you know, and you know, they have, this email campaign that's going out tomorrow and I just white screen my site. What do I do? You know, and, <laughs> and all this thing. And, and so you can approach, you know, I kind of tell them like, you know, a little bit of a trick is that, you know, just go find them on Twitter, approach them, not angry, you know, and chances are you'll get a response from them and they'll be more than willing to help you out. You know, even if, you know, they tell you to go through the support forms, if you come at them, not like, you know, like a wolf or, you know, you're not angry or whatever, you know, just approachable. And, and that's all a part of what I am. Right. And it's just being a human, you know, we're all, we're all trying to make, you know, money with our businesses. We're all trying to build relationships and stuff like that. So it all circles around. Awesome. Hey, we should do the elevation round. Um, I'm going to put everything in the show notes, by the way. So the links to wpfieldguides.com, the links to uh, wpdevtable.com and Jason's website, which is res.com, R-E-Triple-Z.com. Um, I'm going to put links to all that stuff in the show notes. And the show notes for this episode will be at wpelevation.com slash Jason Resnick, which is J-A-S-O-N-R-E-S-N-I-C-K. Is that right? Yep. Perfect. All one word, all lowercase. J-A-S-O-N-R-E-S-N-I-C-K. WPElevation.com slash Jason Resnick. Um, beautiful. The Elevation Round. WP Elevation, for those that don't know, is a business accelerator program to help WordPress consultants build a sustainable, profitable business. Uh, so I'm going to ask Jason a series of quick questions about consulting and freelancing, and he's going to give us some quick answers off the top of his head. What is the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Um, I would have to say they need to know their value so they can say no to the projects that aren't a fit. Excellent. And by the way, I didn't give Jason the answers in advance here either. (laughs) But if I did, that would have been what I said too. (laughs) Uh, What is the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Um, I would say just genuinely care about their business for the long term. Nice. Just be a human. Play the long game instead of just going after the short term 
results. Yep. Uh, how do you stop competing on price? Um, again, just know your value and the rest falls into place. I mean, if you, if you provide a good service and do good work, you, you basically become invaluable to them. And then, you know, they, they won't even bother looking around for a competitor at that point. Uh, any tips on writing better proposals? Put in there what you won't do. Um, a lot of people yes. put in what, you know, this is what the project's going to be and this and that. Um, you know, I when I started putting in things that I'm not going to test for, like old IE versions and things like that, you outline all of that stuff right up front and people don't necessarily think about that right off the bat. I like it. Uh, do you have a favorite tool or system for CRM? Um, I don't. Right now I kind of have that whole homespun kind of thing uh, between Asana and Todoist and, and FreshBooks, which is my accounting software. Um, but I'm actually looking into contactually um, mm. because I think I can pull a lot of the stuff that I do manually out into that. So a lot of the stuff that I w- want to do as far as putting out content is I want clients to rise back up to the top if I haven't reached out to them in a, in a certain period of time or past clients or, you know, just clients that didn't work out initially. So, and contextually seems like that's something that that does well. So contextually is really good. I must admit, I, um, I don't use contextually at the moment, uh, because we're so far embedded in Infusionsoft. We're just kind of streamlining everything in, in Infusionsoft, um, for, for better or worse, the jury's out. But I did use Contactually for about 12 to 18 months, and I must say it's really neat. I really do like Contactually a lot. So um, what's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Uh, communication. Um, they need, you know, communication not just from me to them and when I'm going to deliver and what I'm going to deliver, but also making sure you're comfortable with telling them what they need to do and when you need it by. Um, if that's not the case, I mean, if they have a launch date and they need to do three things before that launch date to get to you for you to deliver on that, you got to let them know. Absolutely. Great advice. Any ideas for getting referrals from existing clients? Um, just being a standout human, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> don't be, you know, try to, try to be a listener more than you know talking about the tech like I don't even talk about the tech in the first couple of conversations I want to know what their goals are what what their business is about um, we'll get into the tech later um, I always I've always said you know let let the business dictate the technology not the technology dictate the business yeah you know and a lot of people do that instead and they try to shoehorn businesses in to a certain technology and then they're stuck when they try to you know pivot their business in a different way so um you know just just i think i think just being a standout human you know and listening to your customers that way great advice and uh final question in the elevation round what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself um same thing <laughs> be a human <laughs> it, uh you know there's so many companies and freelancers out there that you know that I guess are out there for the check that, you know, the paycheck and just, you know, kind of do the job for that point in time and then sign off. Um, I have 
actually, I have a blog post about like a wall developers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's something that I strive not to be. You know, I try to be in there for the long game and understand my clients and become a partner with those with my clients and and you know establish long term relationships with them. Nice. Uh, thank you for getting us through the elevation round. Um, our so uh, speaking of a well developers, it's a nice segue into our competition this week. You very kindly offered a uh, well. What is it that you've offered? A website audit. Tell us what a website audit is exactly. Yeah, it's just uh, I'll take a look at your website, um, you know, and give you uh, basically try to understand what the goals of the website are. Maybe give you some different options that you're not you, you haven't thought of um, for those goals. Um, also look at the plugins, look at your site, making sure that there's no JavaScript errors and things like that. And, you know, kind of try to just round out your site to make sure that it's performant and, and secure. Nice. So these website audits are normally $199. Jason is sponsoring one of those this week uh, in uh, for this episode. So thank you very much for that. It's very generous of you. In order to enter the competition this week, leave a comment underneath this podcast and tell Jason the biggest frustration you have with developers. So if you have contracted work out to a developer or you've collaborated on a project with a developer or you're outsourcing work to developers, what is the biggest frustration you have with when it comes to working with developers? It might be communication, it might be briefing, it might be deadlines, whatever it is, let us know in the uh, in the comments underneath this episode and I'll get Jason to swing by in a couple of weeks and award that prize. All right. Uh, hey, what is the future for Jason Resnick? Where are you going to be in 12 months' time and what are you going to be working on, do you think? Um, I would like to be... Um, I kind of I kind of saw Curtis McHale's 10X post uh-huh. at the beginning of the year. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I pretty much put it out there that I wanted a tech... 10x my residual business, um, nice. not the one-off projects, but the residual business that I have. Um, it's a you know it's a development service. It, it's what I push and it's what I do. Um, and the one-off projects are now, you know, those are side projects at this point. I don't take on more than one at a time. Um, I concentrate on the development resource business and you know my clients for a long-term projects. Um, and goals for those projects. Um, so that's that's the goal for the next year. Is really ten x that 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 part of the business. I love it, man. I love big, hairy, ambitious goals. It's awesome. Uh, it makes you know the bigger and the more ambitious a goal is, the more likely you are to bounce out of bed every morning and get up and about yeah. and try and achieve it. That's sure. right. Hey, um. Thank you so much for spending almost an hour with us here on the WP Elevation Podcast. I really appreciate it. And thanks for all your patience in, in we rescheduled this thing about, seriously, about five or six times. So I'm really glad that we finally got you on, man. Um, where can people reach out and say thanks, Jason? Um, you can find me, Rez, with three Zs just about everywhere, uh, on Twitter or anywhere, any of the random social networks out there, um, or Rez.com. And, you know, just reach out anytime. I'm... I'm available and out there <laughs> and, and human <laughs> and human <laughs> excellent final question is who would you like me to try and interview and why i actually have two. Oh, brilliant um, brian castle is one um yes. of rest restaurant engine um he's his productize course um, even before he had that course was something that really resonated with me. And I think that it'll resonate with a lot of the audience here. Um, and 
The second one is I would like you as the guest on your <laughs> <Really>? own show. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> That's cool. All right. No one has actually, uh, no one has suggested that before. Um, so, so I guess then I need to find someone to interview me on the WP Elevation podcast. Yep. Right. I'll, okay. I'll do that if you want. Right. Really? Well, there you go. All yeah. right. All right, I'll man. Troy. <laughs> <laughs> cool, dude. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, let's make that happen, man. Um, I will, uh, get our episode format over to you so that you've got all the questions and then you can get me on my podcast and interview me. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Awesome, dude. All right, let's make it happen. There we go. That's uh, that's excellent. That's You've thrown me a little bit there, but that's good. I'm down <laughs> with that, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Sweet. All right, so keep your eyes out and your ears out for that when Jason Resnick hosts the podcast and interviews me on the podcast. That'll be very interesting. Um <laughs> Hey, man, thanks again so much for being on the podcast. I really, uh, really hope you've enjoyed yourself. I've certainly enjoyed having you on. And um, uh, we will, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how WP DevTable and Field Guides and how your business rolls out over the next 12 months and look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, thanks again, Troy. Uh, It was fun and a pleasure to be here. Cool. Thanks, man. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the WP Elevation podcast. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals. You can get the plug-in for just $1 for your first month by going to videousermanuals.com slash podcast. Please subscribe to the WP Elevation podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you like what we're doing, please give us a rating and a review. Everything we spoke about in today's episode, all the links and the resources will be at wpelevation.com slash Jason Resnick. That's J-A-S-O. O-N-R-E-S-N-I-C-K All one word, all lowercase, no hyphens, spaces, underscores or other funny hieroglyphics. And remember to leave your comment underneath this podcast episode and let Jason know your number one frustration when it comes to working with developers. And I'll get him to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. And also tell us what you think of the audio-only podcast. That's right, these days we are an audio-only podcast. No more video because frankly it was creating a lot of work for us internally and not enough of you were watching them. Next week on the podcast, we have Andy Clark from Stuff and Nonsense, one of my web design heroes. He makes his second appearance on the podcast. He was actually here in Melbourne. He popped into the studio and we had lunch. So I'm really looking forward to bringing that to you next week on the podcast. I hope you can join us. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate. Go Elevate.